Democrats seal the deal with socialist Bernie Sanders in Nevada. Bernie embraces actual communists again, and the underlings fight it out for second place. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. All righty. So the Democrats married the hooker in Vegas. They made the move. You know, they say that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but that doesn't hold true. If you go to Vegas, you go find a hooker, you hook up with her overnight, and then you decide to run down to the nearest wedding chapel, find Elvis to marry you, and now you're stuck with that the rest of your life. Well, well done, Democrats. That's exactly what you did over the weekend. The Nevada caucuses cut in favor of the open communist Bernie Sanders. When I say he's an open communist, I mean that he's an open communist. I mean, the guy has yet to meet a communist regime he will not praise. He tends to pretend that he's all about Denmark and Norway without actually knowing the first thing about Denmark or Norway. It really is astonishing how he's been able to get away with this. He'll say that he wants a healthcare system like Denmark's. And then his healthcare system has nothing to do with Denmark's. Denmark's does not look like Medicare for all. But in any case, Bernie Sanders walks away from Nevada with a massive victory. He ends up with 46.8% of the vote in Saturday's Nevada caucuses. Joe Biden coming in at 20.4%. Biden is trying to claim this as some sort of victory because after all, we're about to head on to South Carolina, which is Joe Biden's last stand. It's the Alamo for Joe Biden. Biden has a shot there. He's about a 50-50 shot to win South Carolina. If Biden were to win South Carolina, that does complicate the picture because then all of a sudden it looks like Joe Biden is not completely dead in the water. If Bernie wins South Carolina, the sucker is over before it begins. Pete Buttigieg walks away with 13.9% of the vote. Elizabeth Warren, despite her supposedly glorious showing in that debate last week, that complete crap show debate, Reservoir Dogs style ending of the debate last week, Elizabeth Warren only got 9.8% of the vote in the Nevada Democratic caucuses. Tom Steyer at 4.6% and Amy Klobuchar at 4.2%. So that means that Bernie runs away with this thing more than doubling up his nearest competitor, Joe Biden. And Bernie was super excited about it. He was triumphant about it. In fact, here's what Bernie had to say, being triumphant, speaking in front of a rally full of, filled with hysterical socialists. This is clip two. We are going to win across the country because the American people are sick and tired of a president who lies all of the time. They are sick and tired of a corrupt administration. They want an administration which is based on the principles of justice, economic justice, social justice, racial justice, and environmental justice. Okay, so this old communist is going to be your leader going into the clubhouse. Bernie Sanders is campaigning also like Donald Trump did in 2016 against the so-called Democratic establishment. What's weird about this is that by and large what the polls show is that Democrats, like members of the base, are much happier with their own party than Republicans were back in 2016. Back in 2016, Republicans were deeply unhappy with their own Democratic Party establishment. Democrats, by and large, are pretty happy with the Democratic establishment because the Democratic establishment has bent over backwards to make room for the Bernie Sanders and the Ilhan Omars and the Rashida Tlaibs and the AOCs. They've done magazine covers. Nancy Pelosi has done magazine covers with these people. So it's very weird for Bernie to run against the so-called establishment. He tweeted out, I've got news for the Republican establishment. I've got news for the Democratic establishment. They can't stop us. Well, here is the problem. They sort of can. And what I mean by that is not that the Democratic establishment is going to stop Bernie. I think Bernie has basically a clear glide path to the nomination. At this point, I'm very doubtful that Joe Biden is able to pick up South Carolina. Even if he does, it seems to me that Bernie has a road 
to the plurality of the delegates simply because Michael Bloomberg and Joe Biden would then split the vote. So it actually doesn't clarify the picture if Biden wins in South Carolina. If Biden wins in South Carolina, Bloomberg is still spending all this money for Super Tuesday. And suddenly, instead of there being one moderate in the lane because Biden drops out, presumably, instead, you have two moderates in that lane splitting the vote. And then Bernie running right up that left side and picking up his 30 percent of the vote and winning across the board in a lot of these primaries. So it's really not about that. The problem for Bernie Sanders is that the numbers just don't add up when it comes to his national poll standing, which, of course, is why President Trump was congratulating crazy Bernie. It's very obvious that President Trump would love to see Bernie Sanders as the nominee. He certainly loves the cast he's seeing inside the Democratic Party. He tweeted out in the aftermath of the Nevada results. Looks like crazy Bernie is doing well, is doing well in the great state of Nevada. Biden and the rest look weak and no way mini Mike can restart his campaign after the worst debate performance in the history of presidential debates. Congratulations, Bernie, and don't let them take it away from you. So Trump is just itching, itching to dump a billion dollars in ads in the swing states on Bernie. And he should be, because as we will see, Bernie provides rich fodder for attack. With that said, be careful of what you wish for. The monkey's paw applies in politics. And whatever you wish for, very often it comes true, and then it comes back to bite you directly on the ass, as Hillary Clinton learned when she wished for Donald Trump and then got the full Trump in 2016. We'll get back to this in just one second. First, let's talk about safety and security. So I am deeply worried constantly about safety and security. Unfortunately, I tend to get a lot of death threats, but more than that, my neighborhood is becoming less safe because, hell, I live in Los Angeles and they've decided that the best thing to do would be to hand over the neighborhood to people who are committing petty crimes. We've seen a fairly dramatic rise in my neighborhood in breaking and entering. Well, one of the ways that people break and enter is they ring the doorbell, They make sure you're not home, and then they proceed to break into your house. One way you can prevent this is by having Ring devices on your home. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. You already know about their smart video doorbells and cameras that protect millions of people everywhere. Ring helps you stay connected to your home anywhere in the world. So if there's a package delivery or a surprise visitor, you get an alert, and you're able to see, hear, and speak to them all from your phone. I have Ring devices all around my house. Makes me feel safe, makes my wife feel safe, and means that I have control of everything happening on my property on a constant basis. As a subscriber, you have a special offer on a Ring Welcome Kit available right now at ring.com slash Ben. The kit includes a video doorbell and a Chime Pro, which is just what you need to start building a ring of security around your home today. Go to ring.com slash Ben. That's R-I-N-G dot com slash Ben, ring.com slash Ben, and you get that special offer on a Ring Welcome Kit. It'll make you feel more safe and secure. Makes my wife feel more safe and secure. Makes me feel more safe and secure. Ring.com slash Ben. Go make your property safer. Okay, so... The Democrats are beginning to panic and they should be panicking because the fact is that Bernie Sanders is going to have dramatic impacts down ballot. Okay, the, the, the Democrats are realizing that down ballot, Bernie is a disaster for them because Bernie is not going, the, the districts that Democrats won in 2018, they are all purple districts. Like these are all districts that went to Mitt Romney in 2012. They went to Republicans in 2014. And these are all districts that have shifted blue specifically out of hatred for Trump. But if Bernie's the nominee, a lot of these suburban districts are not going to say it's stayed Democratic for very long, which is why The Washington Post is reporting that down-ballot Democrats are already moving to distance themselves away from Sanders, according to Mike DeBonis and Michael Shearer over at The Washington Post. Former astronaut Mark Kelly, the Democratic Party's hope for flipping a U.S. Senate seat in Arizona, tried to do no harm this month when he was asked about Senator Bernie Sanders. He said, I'll ultimately support who the nominee is of the Democratic Party. That was enough for Kelly's Republican rival, Senator Martha McSally of Arizona, who's trailing him in early polls, to go on the attack. The television spot she debuted days later spent nearly as much time talking about plans by the Democratic Socialists from Vermont to raise taxes and award new benefits to undocumented immigrants as it did to Kelly. As Sanders, a political independent, builds what could eventually be an insurmountable delegate lead, 
Many Democratic House and Senate candidates are approaching a dramatic shift in their campaigns as they recalibrate to include praise of capitalism and distance themselves from the National Party. Top campaign strategists from both major parties view Sanders' success as a potentially tectonic event, which could narrow the party's already slim hopes of retaking the Senate majority and fuel GOP dreams of reclaiming the House, which it lost amid a Democratic romp in 2018. Former Representative Steve Israel, Democrat of New York, who is a former longtime confidant of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, he said, I can tell you, there are a lot of down-ballot jitters based on my conversations with my former colleagues. He says, Donald Trump is going to offer the American people this choice. Do you want to continue building the economy or do you want to lurch toward socialism? And that is a real powerful argument in the Democratic districts that Trump won in 2016. And this is exactly right. The bottom line is that there are a lot of Democrats who won in 2018 who are not AOC-style Democrats. These are Democrats who won specifically on the basis that they were moderate. And the Democratic Party then completely ignored them and focused all of its attention on the new rising superstars from deep blue districts. Well, it turns out that was a real stupid move because now you're going to end up with an actual socialist slash communist, an actual Marxist at the top of your ticket. And if you are running in a purple district in Indiana, you're running in a purple district in Ohio, how do you think that's going to go for you when every campaign ad is you embracing the geriatric communist? So James Carville, who continues to be one of the only honest people in the Democratic Party, he says, listen, if you think Sanders can win, you're a sucker because his entire basis here is that he is going to win, he's going to run, and he's going to win on the supposed basis that he has... A, a massive new turnout plan. Massive new turnout plans are bound for failure. The people who show up to vote are the people who show up to vote. The question is what you do with those people. Here's Carville explaining why anybody who has faith in Bernie Sanders' turnout plan is fooling themselves. The entire theory that by expanding the electorate, increasing turnouts, you can win an election is, is the equivalent of climate denying. All right. When people say that, they're as stupid to a political scientist is, is a climate denier is to an atmospheric scientist. So, so whatever you do, if you want to vote for Bernie Sanders because you feel good about his program, uh, because you, you, you don't like the, the, the banks on Wall Street or you don't like pharmaceuticals, that's completely legitimate. I understand that. If you're voting for him because you think he'll win the election because he'll galvanize heretofore uh, sleepy parts of the electorate, then politically you're a fool. Yeah, and this is exactly right. The idea that you are going to drive out massive new numbers of people from a specific electorate and that's your plan, that is a failure. Barack Obama is the only candidate in my lifetime who's been able to do this. He did it in 2012 specifically with the black community, but he had a good basis for suggesting that he'd be able to do it because he did the exact same thing in 2008. He also happened to win among virtually all other voters in 2008 as well. So Barack Obama won a fairly, a more narrow victory in 2012 than he did in 2008. And even he was banking on that turnout model. The turnout model ended up being right in some areas and wrong in other areas. He actually lost votes from 2008 to 2012, but won re-election because he'd been so handily ahead. So in Bernie, who has never come close to winning anything remotely approaching a national election and who is running significantly behind in states like Wisconsin said he's going to turn out new groups of young voters. He's going to have to show exactly how he's going to do this. It's not just James Carville. James Clyburn, who is this uh, very prominent congressperson from South Carolina. Of course, he's black and he represents a lot of black voters in South Carolina. He is coming out today and he's likely to endorse Joe Biden. That's been the implication. And he says, listen, Democrats are going to have a lot of trouble with the socialists at the top of the ticket. Democrats are fretting about this. They should be. I do believe it'll be an extra burden for us to have to carry. Uh, this is South Carolina and South Carolinians are pretty leery about that title uh, socialist. And so I think that that would be a real burden for us in these states or congressional districts that we have to do well in. 
And of course, Clyburn is exactly right. This is one of the reasons why he's probably going to endorse Biden today. Meanwhile, Mayor Pete trying to grab that mantle of the moderate, even though he is not moderate in any way. At one of his rallies over the weekend, a nine-year-old boy got up and asked him about coming out of the closet at nine. It's it's prepubescent. I mean, I have serious doubts as to whether nine-year-olds really understand the full implications of coming out as gay when they are nine, considering they have not yet had the hormonal drive toward sex, presumably. But in any case, Pete Buttigieg, who proclaims that he is a moderate, Pete Buttigieg, he says, Bernie Sanders is toxic. He's going to tear apart the party. Of course, this is true. I believe we need to defeat Donald Trump and turn the page on this era in our politics by establishing a tone of belonging, bringing an end to the viciousness and the bullying that is tearing apart our country. We must change what it feels like to live in the United States of America. And that is a real difference from Senator Sanders' revolution with the tenor of combat and division and polarization leading to a future where whoever wins the day, nothing changes the toxic tone of our politics. Hey, David Leonhardt at the New York Times sort of making the same point about Bernie Sanders today. He says Bernie is making a big mistake, not because he's on the left, but because his entire campaign is directed at alienating the center. He says, you have to understand that politics is inescapably performative. Voters respond to signals. They respond to gestures of respect from politicians who are willing to say, in effect, we may not agree on everything, but I see you and understand what matters to you. The newly energetic American left, says David Leonhardt, a man of the left, has largely rejected this approach, choosing instead to believe a comforting myth about swing voters being extinct and turnout being a cure-all. It's a big mistake. He says, can you think of one way that Bernie Sanders is signaling respect to voters outside of his base? He has taken a nearly maximalist liberal position on every major issue. It's especially striking from him because he has shown over his career that he grasps the importance of building a coalition. But Sanders has evidently decided that progressives will no longer accept impurities or even much tactical vagueness. He, along with Elizabeth Warren, has embraced policies that are popular on the left and nowhere else. A ban on fracking, the decriminalization of border crossings, the provision of federal health benefits to undocumented immigrants, the elimination of private health insurance. For many progressives, says David Leonhardt, again, these are members of the left who are worrying about Bernie, and they should be. Each of these issues has become a moral litmus test. Any restriction of immigration is considered a denial of human rights. Any compromise on guns or health care is an acceptance of preventable deaths. I understand the progressive arguments on these issues, says Leonhardt, but turning every compromise into an existential moral failing is not a smart way to practice politics. It comforts the persuaded while alienating the persuadable. And this is exactly right. And Bernie is alienating everybody in the center of the country. He's alienating people who are on the borderline. He's alienating people who may not like Trump's temperament, but look at Bernie and are frightened of Bernie. If you think that Bernie Sanders in a national election, this will will be a referendum on Trump and not on Bernie. I've been saying for a long time, really since 2016, whoever a presidential election is a referendum on loses. This is true for congressional elections too. If it's a referendum on Republican rule, Republicans do badly. This is why in off-year elections, the party in power tends to do poorly because the party in power is the party upon whom the referendum is being performed. Well, in 2020, the question that Democrats had to decide was whether they were going to make the election a referendum on Trump or whether they were going to make the referendum and the election a referendum on somebody else. In 2016, everybody assumed that the election was going to be a referendum on Trump. It wasn't. It was was a referendum on Hillary Clinton. And people didn't like Hillary, so nobody showed up to vote for Hillary, so Trump won. In 2020, the assumption for years has been, okay, now we'll get the, the referendum on Trump. If you run a geriatric socialist loon bag who praises communist dictators, who suggests he wants to remake the entire face of the American economy, who campaigns with vicious anti-Semites, who do you think the referendum is going to be on? The Democrats are making exactly the same argument that the Jeremy Corbyn Labor Party made in Britain, that Boris Johnson is so wild and he's so out of the box and he's so crazy that we'll, we'll have a referendum on Boris Johnson. Then Boris Johnson just stood there and pointed at Jeremy Corbyn and one walking away. 
Well, Trump's in a very similar position. And you're seeing Democrats rightly recognize this and begin to panic over it. Some of them are whistling past the grave, of course. We'll get to that in just one second. Then we'll get to controversy engulfing Chris Matthews for noting the obvious about Bernie Sanders, but using a bad World War II analogy in doing it, which is apparently very, very bad. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that cars are a lot more complicated today than when people were growing up 40, 50 years ago. 40, 50 years ago, you could just go down to the generic auto parts store. Most of the cars were fairly similar in make. Now, parts are really complicated. Now, the cars themselves have really high-level technology. And this means that if you want to fix your car, you probably, in many cases, cannot go down to your local auto, uh, auto parts store and buy what you need and then just put it in. Instead, you need to order the specific correct part. And this is where the internet is fantastic. Well, you have a computer. That means you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. Why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? The RockAuto.com catalog, it's unique. It's remarkably easy to navigate. And RockAuto.com has everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. That helps us. It helps them as well. And you're getting the best parts at the best price. Go check them out right now. RockAuto.com. See all the parts available. Write Shapiro in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Okay, so you do have some people who are whistling past the grave. You're seeing Howard Dean, for example, the former head of the DNC, a nut in his own right, suggesting that he's not worried about the down ballot effect for, for Bernie Sanders, which, sh- sure, Howard. Are you afraid of what it might mean for the Democratic Party in terms of winning the White House in November or winning down ballot tickets uh, if Bernie Sanders is a nominee? Does that concern you? Not at all. I'll tell you why. Um, He certainly is a polarizing candidate, but we have an incredibly polarizing person on the other side. As I said before, he showed last night that he can energize our core base. Well, I mean, if he can energize the core base, well, then you would. That's not how this works. That's how you know who you energize the Democratic core base. George McGovern in 1972. Okay, so it's not enough to energize the core base. You get Dan Pfeiffer over at Pod Save America. Those geniuses over at Pod Save America. Here's Dan Pfeiffer suggesting, of course, Bernie can win. Okay, let's be real. Bernie can win because any major party candidate has about a 40% shot at winning in a deeply divided country. Does that mean that Bernie is likely to win on the basis of his radicalism? Probably not. Those polls also show that Bernie Sanders is beating Donald Trump in almost every head-to-head matchup in these hypothetical general election polls. So what it tells me is that Bernie Sanders absolutely can win this election. He comes to it with a specific set of potential vulnerabilities, primarily around labeling a series of particularly popular uh, policies with an unpopular label around democratic socialism. But he can win if the party unites around him. And we should also, we talk all about his weakness, we talk about his strengths. Okay, we should talk about his strengths. Okay, well, as we will see, we're going to get into Bernie Sanders a little more deeply. It's amazing. There was one tweet today that just is, it's it's an unbelievable tweet. I mean, it's an incredible tweet. It's a tweet from NBC News. And they tweeted, if Senator Sanders wins the nomination, some Democrats worry President Trump will hammer him on his long buried words in defense of governments in Nicaragua, Cuba, and the USSR. Really, are they worried about that? And question, when you say long buried words, who buried those words, members of the media? Who buried them? Because as long as I've been broadcasting, I've been talking about Bernie Sanders defending Cuba, Nicaragua, and the USSR, um, among other socialist dictatorships, including Venezuela. So um, who buried them? And why would you expect that people would not talk about the fact that the Democrats are about to nominate an out-and-out Marxist? And Chris Matthews, who's losing his letter, his mind. Get up in the morning, come out of the shoe, come out in here all wrinkled. Don't even know why I'm here anymore because... 
I'm trying to do is tell you guys, don't drive off the cliff like Delma and Louise. And you won't stop it. You keep trying to drop off the cliff like Delma and Louise. Does the Democratic establishment prefer Trump to Bernie? Anybody? Are you crazy? Why would we, why would we want Trump? Why, why would we want Bernie instead of Trump? I mean, there's a, there's a crazy communist. What, what's going on here? I'm wondering whether the, the, the Democratic moderates want Bernie Sanders to be president. I mean, that's maybe a, a too exciting a question to raise. They don't like Trump at all. Do they want Bernie Sanders to take over the Democratic Party in perpetuity? Well, I mean, he takes it over. He sets the direction for the future of the party. Maybe they'd rather wait four years and put in a Democrat that they like. Okay, that's not the comment that got Chris Matthews in trouble, though. The comment that got Chris Matthews in trouble is that he made a sort of half-assed World War II analogy. Right, so here's Chris Matthews explaining that people are sort of figuring out a little too late and maybe this blitzkrieg from Bernie Sanders is unstoppable. Maybe this is like a blitz, like, and he's not a Nazi, but it's kind of like a blitzkrieg. Here's Chris Matthews suggesting that people catching on very late. I get on here, come on this show. I was reading a, a World War II biography last night. Watch Midway, come on in here and just talk. I was reading last night, Brian, I know you're a history guy too. I'm reading last night about the fall of France in the summer of 1940. And the general, Renault calls up Churchill and says, it's over. And Churchill says, how can it be? you got the greatest army in Europe. How can it be over? He said, it's over. So I had that pre- suppressed feeling. I can't be as wild as Carville, but he is damn smart. And I think he's damn right on this one. Okay, so people are going nuts over Chris Matthews about this. Why? Because the implication is that Bernie's a Nazi. Jesus, what is wrong with you people? Seriously, what's wrong with you people? It's not what Matthews is saying. Matthews is just making a very silly historical comparison to situations in which people have not recognized that something is over when it's over. He's saying Bernie won the nomination. So the entire left goes, Chris Matthews is an anti-Semite now. Look at him, he's an anti-Semite. because he's. First of all, let me just explain something to you. You stupid ass. Okay, let me explain something to you. If you are deeply concerned about Chris Matthews making a World War II analogy about Bernie Sanders. Michael Moore made one three weeks ago in which he compared Bernie Sanders to the French resistance, which by implication means the rest of the Democrats are Nazis. Okay, second of all, if you're deeply concerned about anti-Semitism, but you don't care about the fact that Bernie Sanders is, he campaigns with open anti-Semites, that Bernie Sanders is the Jeremy Corbyn of the United States. He spends all his time hanging out with people who despise Jews and want to see the Jewish state destroyed. Okay, the Bernie Sanders over the weekend suggested he's never spoken at an APAC policy conference, by the way, at an American-Israel Public Affairs Committee conference. He's never spoken at one, not for years, ever. Right now, when he's a presidential candidate in 2016, never. Okay, he put out a statement suggesting that he would not speak at APAC, said Bernie, said Bernie Sanders, who, again, this, when people talk about his Jewish roots, he's so Jewish, in terms of his actual practice, in terms of how much he cares about Judaism, not his ethnic Judaism. Ethnic Judaism is ethnic Judaism. It's just an ethnicity. But in terms of his actual practical Judaism and how much he cares about Judaism, dude's as, as Jewish as a ham sandwich. He's Jewish like Karl Marx was Jewish. Okay, Bernie Sanders tweets out, the Israeli people have a right to live in peace and security. So do the Palestinian people. First of all, I've not seen one shred of evidence that Bernie actually believes that Jewish people in Israel have a right to live in peace and security since he has backed every single deal that would do damage to the safety and security of the people of Israel and supports giving foreign aid to Hamas. He said, I remain concerned about the platform APAC provides for leaders who express bigotry and oppose basic Palestinian rights. For that reason, I will not attend that conference. As president, I will support the rights of both Israelis and Palestinians and do everything possible to bring peace and security to the region. Bullcrap. Hey, bullcrap. APAC is the most milquetoast organization in Israel affairs, like the most milquetoast. They have everybody, Democrats, Republicans, moderates, rat, like they have everybody speaks to APAC. Okay, but Bernie is saying that APAC is too much for him. As we'll see, 
Bernie is fine with anti-Semites in his own campaign. So spare me your crocodile teeters over anti-Semitism. All you ridiculous leftists who don't give a damn when Jews are under rocket fire in Israel and don't give a damn when Jews are being beaten on the streets of Williamsburg. Now you're coming out of the woodwork to inform me that Chris Matthews is an anti-Semite because he made an oblique statement about people who aren't willing to accept reality in history. People are ridiculous. You're ridiculous. You don't give a crap about anti-Semitism. If you did, you wouldn't be nominating a guy who is more than happy to hobnob with anti-Semites. Again, the man's as Jewish as Karl Marx was Jewish. It's ridiculous. And we're going to get to more of Bernie the nut in one second. You guys should be scared of nominating this nutcase. But I guess you're going to go for it. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let's say you have an employee. Let's call him, I don't know, Vishal. And let's say he works in accounting. Let's say he works in accounting. Vishal. And, and let's say that Vishal is really a great accountant. Like he really does his job. But one screw up and he could really screw with like all the data in your company. And let's say you, he hasn't done it yet, but you just want to be sure. So you put out a job listing on ZipRecruiter just so everybody feels a little bit uneasy, you know, just so everybody. So Vishal knows that, you know, if things go wrong, then at least there's somebody ready to replace. You would go to ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter.com is the smartest way to hire. And now you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Here's how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. When you post your job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job sites. Then ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and invites them to apply. The result is you get qualified candidates fast. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. Go see for yourself. To try ZipRecruiter for free, head on over to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire and the smartest way to make your employees know that they're answerable. So if Vishal should screw up the accounting, well, at least he knows there's somebody waiting in the wings. Go check us out over at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Okay, so the Democrats should be worried about Bernie. They should be deeply worried about Bernie because Bernie, over the weekend, he did an interview with 60 Minutes. And during this interview with 60 Minutes, he made absolutely clear that he is a full-on, full-fledged crazy person. I mean, he's a crazy person. So Bernie was asked about Medicare for all. He has specifically said over and over and over he doesn't know how much it's going to cost. But he refuses to say how much it will cost. Finally, he admits how much it's going to cost. And his answer is it's going to cost $30 trillion. Okay, but this doesn't bother him at all because he has no plan to pay for it. After all, communism means never having to say you're sorry. I mean, really, it means never having to say how you're going to pay. It means not, like it's a feature, not a bug. The fact that Bernie Sanders has no plan is a feature. It is not a bug. Okay, the fact that he has no plan means that his supporters get to fill in the plan with unicorn crap. You get to scrawl in the, within the colored lines with unicorn crap. That's, that's the entire plan here. So here's Bernie Sanders finally explaining Medicare for all will cost $30 trillion. By the way, he is going to remove you from your health insurance. But then magically, he's somehow going to be able, without, without raising taxes dramatically on every single person in the United States, just by taxing wealthy people, apparently, according to Bernie Sanders, he's going to be able to pay for expanded services and make sure you have the same doctor and make sure you have the same care, which is patent lunacy. And whenever he cites Denmark, there's some things you should know about the Danish medical system. One, the tax rates in Denmark are insane. You're paying like 45% taxes if you're making above 60 grand a year. Second of all, the, you, are able to, you are able to buy supplemental private insurance in Denmark. Bernie's plan does not allow for supplemental private insurance. Third, the services that Bernie says he's going to provide are bigger than the services that Denmark provides. Fourth, Denmark is all run locally in terms of its municipalized health care. He wants a fully nationalized health insurance system. And Bernie's a nutcase, okay? And here's Bernie going on Medicare for All. Do you have a price tag for, for all of this? We do. I mean, you know, and, and uh, the, the price tag is 
it will be substantially less than letting the current system go. I think it's about thirty trillion. That's just for Medicare for all. Just, just Medicare about. for all. Do you have a, a price tag for all of these things? No, I don't. We try to no. Okay, well, no, we don't. No, I don't. Are we going to pay for this? Who cares? Who cares? I'm going to pull it out of my ass. I'm going to take some of the and put the money directly from my ass. It'll be fine. No one cares. Who cares? Okay, but that wasn't Bernie's biggest ridiculousness of the night. Then Bernie was asked about the fact that he's an old communist. Now, as, as I mentioned, he's not been shy about this. Okay, back when he was my age, okay, back in the 1970s, he was declaring he wanted nationalization of the banks, every major industry, the energy, like everything, everything. He was 35 years old when he was running with the Liberty Union Party in New Hampshire. Okay, so let's not pretend he wasn't a 17-year-old kid. He wasn't a 20-year-old. He wasn't a 25-year-old. He wasn't somebody who was getting his feet wet in politics. He was my age. Okay, and Bernie was doing this routine back in the 70s. Okay, so Bernie at the time, he has never found a communist regime he can't praise. So last night, Anderson Cooper asked him about the verboten, long-buried topic, according to NBC News, of the fact that he has supported every single communist regime he has ever come across. Like, seriously, the man has never run across a communist regime that he can't find warm words for. It's one thing to speak at APAC, the milquetoast pro-Israel organization that supports the only democracy in the Middle East. That's very bad, right? Bernie won't do that because Israel, Israel is very bad. Israel is racist. But when it comes to Cuba, I will tell you, Cuba has some very good things about it. So here was Bernie on national TV last night losing Florida. We're very opposed to the authoritarian nature of Cuba. But, you know, you got, it's unfair to simply say everything is bad. You know, when Fidel Castro came into office, you know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. Is that a bad thing? Even though Fidel Castro did it? There's a lot of dissidents imprisoned in, in Cuba. That's right. And we condemn that. And we condemn that. But they were reading, weren't they? I mean, they were in prison. Sure, they were in prison. And sure, they were reading about how Castro was shooting their relatives. But they could read now. I mean, who could complain about that? They could read. Could they read before? Okay, a couple of things about Bernie Sanders being a complete and total dumb. Okay, so a few things. One, the literacy rate in Cuba was about the same as the literacy rate in Costa Rica before Castro came along the scene. So by best available study, somewhere between 60 and 80% of the Cuban population could read. And many, most of the studies put it at like 75, 76%. That was about the same as Costa Rica. You know what Costa Rica has now? And you know what they had very quickly? 100% literacy rate. You know what Costa Rica didn't do? Shoot its dissidents. Like, how many people does Bernie think it's okay to shoot so long as you get 100% literacy rate? Like, I have an easy way to establish 100% literacy, according to Bernie's logic, in any country. You just shoot everyone who can't read. It's great. 100% literacy rate. Like, what a complete and ridiculous, moral, pathetically disgusting human being this is. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, he's, he's literally sitting there making the, well, at least Mussolini made the trains run on time. By the way, Mussolini didn't make the trains run on time. Castro didn't make the country of Cuba literate. This is nuts. It's nuts. But he did the same thing with the USSR throughout his career. Bread lines are not bad. Sure, you know, they may have had some gulags. Sure, there was a five-year plan where everyone in Ukraine was killed and people were eating each other. And, you know, in China during the Great Leap Forward, when 40 million people died, that was kind of bad. But let's be real about this. China has an excellent record of poverty reduction. And the USSR, they have excellent bread lines and they have excellent cultural Effects. Excellent. Excellent. We should have exchange programs. This is who you are nominating just because you hate Trump. You're out of your minds. You're out of your damn minds. The hell has gone wrong with you people. Seriously, you hate Trump so much that you're nominating a guy who would only be comfortable in the con- in the confines of Karl Marx and and Frederick Engels. This is who you've decided to go with. Seriously, this is a great way to lose Florida, by the way. Remember that time when Florida was a battleground state? You know who lives in in Florida? A lot of people 
who got on 197 who got on 1958 Chevys and then tried to float off an island to a coast of another country because they're trying to escape the regime that Bernie is praising right here. A lot of those people live in Florida. You know who else lives in Florida? A lot of elderly Jews who kind of like Israel. So well done, Democrats. You've basically just given away Florida. That's a genius move. That's a genius move. But this is Bernie all over, right? This is what Bernie is. Bernie is a nutcase. He is a nut. And you guys decided to go all in. You married the hooker, guys. Congratulations. You couldn't have just a one-night stand. You couldn't abandon your wife, have a one-night stand in Vegas. You decided, no, you're going to go bang the hooker and then marry her. So you bought the ticket. You take the ride. And don't be surprised when she cleans out your wallet in the morning. Don't be surprised when your bank account's gone the next day. Bernie is the socialist hooker in Vegas and you married her. Well done. Well done. I mean, he's saying this stuff now. He's saying it now. I love when people are like, his long-buried, long-buried communist feelings. Did he ever bury them? Was there any point during his career where he buried them? Like any? We're going to get to more Bernie Sanders in just a second because it's it's just amazing. It's just amazing. You hate Trump so much that you think this. All right. All right. Fine. Your choice. Okay. We're going to get to more of that in a second. First, gang, I got to tell you. Daily Wire membership is the only way you should be viewing our content. You're missing all the best features. And right now, using promo code Shapiro, you'll get 10% off any membership plan you choose. What makes membership so great? Well, members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, select bonus content, access to the mailbag, and more. Plus, our new all-access tier gets you into exclusive live online Q&A discussions with me, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, Michael Knowles, plus Daily Wire writers and special guests. And don't forget, you will also get the greatest of all beverage vessels, the leftist tiers tumbler. Yes, you get all of that plus 10% off when you use promo code Shapiro. So stop depriving yourself. Come join the fun. It's going to be a wild year. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so um, I think that it is worth noting that Bernie's policies and, and his, his heresies are not merely confined to his support of every horrible communist regime on planet Earth. By the way, Daniel Ortega, the dictator of Nicaragua, he came out over the weekend and endorsed Bernie Sanders. That's an exciting endorsement. That's really good stuff. But Sanders also announced over the weekend that undocumented immigrants, illegal immigrants to the United States are entitled to exactly the same benefits as citizens. And he wants open borders. He says that he wants to decriminalize border crossings and undocumented immigrants are entitled to the same benefits as citizens. Now, once again, I ask you, he keeps saying Denmark and Norway. Is he aware of like basic immigration law in Denmark and Norway, which are extremely restrictive. It is very difficult to become a citizen of Denmark or Norway. These are places that have extremely restrictive immigration policies. Why? Because there are two things you can have, but not three. Okay, you cannot, well, there, there's actually one thing you can have, but not two. You cannot have a vast social safety net and open borders. That Those two things are mutually exclusive. Unless you live in Bernie land where you can crap rainbows, here's Bernie explaining that we should have a completely open border and everyone who crosses illegally should get the exact same benefits as citizens who live in the country and pay taxes. What our campaign is about and what our administration will be about is rethinking America, understanding that all of our people, when I say all, I also mean the undocumented in this country, that all of our people are entitled to basic human rights. So that (laughs) it's just unbelievable. He's just unbelievable. It's it's like this. This is what you've chosen. Okay, so. Democrats naturally are turning and they're going, this is crazy. This is nuts. But it's too late. It's too late because it turns out that you guys blew it. It turns out that you decided to feed that alligator, hoping that he would eat you last. And now you're left with dead Joe Biden and Michael Bloomberg, who better have the debate of his life tomorrow night, or he's toast also after blowing half a billion dollars before a vote has been taken with his name on the ballot. 
So Joe Biden, after Nevada, he's been declaring a victory. He's been saying, oh, yeah, well, I came in second. Isn't that great a great uh, accomplishment that I came in second? So his record so far is fifth, fifth, and second. And he believes that he is going to stage a massive comeback in South Carolina. Now, it could happen. Okay, realistically speaking, Joe Biden is still polling top of the heap in South Carolina. And if Joe Biden were to win South Carolina, it would certainly be a shot in the arm for his campaign. And then we would find out whether Michael Bloomberg has the like actually cares about the future of the party, because at that point, Michael Bloomberg really should toss all of his millions and billions behind Biden. But here is Biden saying over the weekend, we're going to go on. We're going to win South Carolina and then nearly falling asleep at the podium while doing so. Y'all, y'all did it for me. Now we're going on to South Carolina and win and then we're going to take this back. Sure, sure. Biden also pointed out that a Democratic Socialist at the top of the ticket ain't going to be a help. But everybody knows this at this point. It ain't it isn't enough to push him forward, is it? I think it's going to be very difficult for people in purple states to have a shot of winning. Look, I went into 24 races, 24 states in the 2018 election, and I campaigned for 65 candidates. I don't know that any of them invited Bernie to come and campaign. They all invited me to campaign. I went in. We won 41 seats. A lot of those people have endorsed me in those frontline states. And I think you have to be able to broaden the party to be able to make sure we can keep those folks. Of course, he's right, but not that that matters. Meanwhile, the problem for Michael Bloomberg is that he can't decide whether he wants to apologize for being there or whether he just wants to charge forward. So Michael Bloomberg's campaign cut a video last week. It was a video from the debate, and it was a video in which he says that he's the only person who ran a business. And then there were all these sort of crickets as it showed all the other candidates on stage who had never run a business. So everybody in the media went nuts. It's a fake video, a fake video. It's obviously parodical. You know, it wasn't in the crowd at the debate. Crickets. Right. Crickets were not in the crowd. I hate to break it to you guys. Crickets were not in the crowd at the debate. It was obviously a parody video that didn't stop Bloomberg spokespeople over the weekend from suggesting they were out over their skis on their own campaign videos. Stop apologizing. If you'd like to win the nomination, perhaps you should get your head out of your butt and stop apologizing for your candidate. It's ridiculous. Bernie Sanders won't even apologize for having supported communist dictatorships. And you guys are apologizing for a campaign video that was clearly a parody. Ridiculous. I think all of us have to do the right thing on social. If you're going to battle with Donald Trump, you still have to go to battle with him honorably. We don't want to lie. We don't want to misrepresent. Uh, I don't think we want to use the kind of hateful tactics he uses. And a couple of times, I think we've gotten out over our skis, uh, but we pull that back internally. I think for people to be creative and aggressive, they need some breathing room, uh, but we don't want them to go f- too far. And in cases where we have, we pulled it back. Just stop apologizing. Stop apologizing. Meanwhile, desperate Elizabeth Warren is pushing on a national poll today, showing that she's running second to Bernie Sanders. National polling, as we have found out with Joe Biden, means absolutely nothing. It's the state polling that means something. Elizabeth Warren is now falling into the, I'm going, she's trying to be everything to everybody. So she tried to basically draft off of Bernie Sanders, right? She's driving behind him and drafting off of him. Now she's trying to separate off from him and pretend that she's actually in the moderate lane after spending a year campaigning as a progressive in the race. Here she is yesterday explaining she's not a democratic socialist after ripping off Bernie's campaign. I appreciate the question. But you got the wrong person to ask about this. No, I voted for you. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I'm not a democratic socialist. I, I believe in markets. Now, there are areas in any market economy, there are areas where markets don't work. Education, health care. And we decide collectively... We're going to manage those in a different way. And I'm all in, 100% so in. So now she's a pretend moderate again. Also, Elizabeth Warren has decided that her mean girl persona from the last debate is going to serve her well. So after she did that 
crazy debate where she was just flamethrowing everybody on stage. Now she has decided that it's time to make fun of Michael Bloomberg for being short. I'm old enough to remember when she suggested that it was bad and divisive and she was tut-tutting people, right? She was tut-tutting Trump. Now she's going full Trump. She's saying Michael Bloomberg is short. So she's actually picked up the mini mic thing. I want to talk specifically for just a minute at the top about a threat that is coming our way. And it's a big threat, not a tall one, but a big one. Michael Bloomberg. (laughs) I'm old enough to remember when Elizabeth Warren would have found this very off-putting. In fact, I'm old enough to remember last week she got a lot of hay out of suggesting that Michael Bloomberg was a vicious sexist because he had said mean things about how women look and there she is insulting his height. So obviously she has, she's a woman of high principles as Elizabeth Warren. By the way, she started her own super PAC or people around her started a super PAC. She said, well, us ladies are allowed to have super PACs also. So using the genitals to defend your super PAC in violation of promises. Elizabeth Warren, really a principled person. Can you see why it is that Bernie Sanders is running away with the nomination? Part of it has to do with the insane anti-Trumpism of the left. Part of it has to do with the fact that the other Democratic candidates are just complete and utter ridiculous sideshows. Okay, meanwhile, President Trump is, is in position to win not only re-election, but to win a heavy victory. I went through the states last time in the 2016 election, and we talked a little bit about which states are up for grabs this time around for Donald Trump. And the fact is that Trump could really radically expand the map if he is able to keep the economy humming. So if you look at some of the battleground states, again, New Hampshire, is very, it was very close in 2016. Trump could easily take that. Yeah, they're saying that, that Bernie is running ahead in Pennsylvania. Trump hasn't hit him with a single ad so far on Bernie wanting to ban fracking. Wisconsin, Trump is way ahead in Wisconsin, according to state polls. In Michigan, Bernie has not been hit with any of his ridiculous policy suggestions yet. And it turns out that a lot of people in Michigan kind of patriotic. Also, Florida was very close last time. It is not going to be close this time if Bernie is the nominee. Minnesota is up for grabs. Nevada is certainly up for grabs. Maine is up for grabs. Colorado might even be up for grabs. So we were talking about President Trump adding maybe another 20 to 30 electoral votes. Virginia might be up for grabs because the fact is that Bernie is so all-fired radical. So yeah, the, Trump has the real opportunity to expand the map. Now, there are a couple of obstacles to this happening. One, of course, is the possibility of an economic downturn. And this is something completely unpredictable. Today, the Dow opened by dropping nearly 1,000 points. It dropped about 900 points because coronavirus cases outside of China were surging. According to CNBC, stocks fell sharply on Monday as the number of coronavirus cases outside China surged, stoking fears of a prolonged global economic slowdown from the virus spreading. The, D, the Dow Jones Industrial Average traded 886 points lower or 31 Percent. It was travel-based stocks that were taking the hardest hits and also any sort of company that has supply chains in Hong Kong or China. Shares of casino operators Las Vegas Sands and Wynn Resorts dropped at least 3.5% each. MGM slid 4.1% as well. Also, Dow Components Intel traded 3.4% lower. It was a major drop. It was actually the third biggest drop of the last three years. Apple and its suppliers took a hit as new cases are being diagnosed because When you have these new cases being diagnosed, it means that a lot of these shops are basically shutting down and not reopening until coronavirus is contained. So this is very bad news for President Trump if the economy were to tank. It is also true that there could be a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy here. Trump does need to stay ahead in the polls because if Bernie were to start gaining in the polls and start looking like a real viable frontrunner in the actual presidential race, what you would see is people divesting themselves of stocks now in anticipation of Bernie Sanders becoming president. You'd start to see a a preliminary stock market drop as Bernie Sanders got priced into the market. So there wouldn't be a precipitous drop the day after the election. And that stock market decline in anticipation of a possible Sanders victory could actually doom Trump preemptively. 
Okay, so that, that's a real problem for Trump. The other problem for President Trump is that President Trump is now being subjected to test case after test case of his own inability to stop his worst instincts from taking over. What I mean by this is that if you are a low-level staffer in Trump's administration, you hate Trump and you want to see Trump go down, the easiest thing for you to do is to put out there a rumor that Trump doesn't like, watch him overreact and watch the story become about the overreaction. This seems to be what has happened with regard to Joseph McGuire. So according to Ellen Nakashima, Shane Harris, Josh Dowsey, and Ann Guerin, they reported back on Friday, a senior U.S. intelligence official told lawmakers last week that Russia wants to see President Trump reelected, viewing his administration as more favorable to the Kremlin's interests, according to people who were briefed on the comments. After learning of that analysis, which was provided to House lawmakers in a classified hearing, Trump grew angry at his acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, in the Oval Office, seeing McGuire and his staff as disloyal for speaking to Congress about Russia's perceived preference. The intelligence officials analysis and Trump's furious response ruined McGuire's chances of becoming the permanent intelligence chief. So the way the media want to unspool this story is that McGuire went out there and rightly told Congress that Russia wants to see Trump reelected. Now, what we have heard from multiple sources, including Jake Tapper reporting it, is that what the actual underlying intelligence shows is that Russia wants to interfere in the election. But you can't really draw a conclusion about which candidate they're going to support. I mean, honestly, why would they possibly support President Trump, who has supplied deadly weaponry to Ukraine? over Bernie Sanders, who honeymooned in the USSR. Like, if you really believe that the Russians would prefer Trump to be president over Bernard McSanders, an actual communist, a person straight from KGB wet dreamland, then, I mean, like Bernie Sanders is the plot of No Way Out. And you're telling me that the Russians would like not to see him as president of the United States. Like, it doesn't make any sense. In fact, there was another report over the weekend that Bernie Sanders was briefed by US officials that Russia was trying to help his presidential campaign, which, by the way, does show you that it is kind of weird, right? Back in 2016, there was talk that the Russians were trying to help the Trump campaign and Trump was never told about it. Within five seconds of Bernie Sanders' campaign becoming subject of Russian interference, Bernie is told about this within five seconds, which is the way it should have worked for the Trump campaign. No? Okay, but President Trump's national security advisor came out over the weekend and he said, I didn't push out my my director of national intelligence chief for briefing Congress on Russian interference. So Trump basically pushed out Joseph McGuire, replaced him with Rick Grinnell, he's a good guy. But the story is that Trump wants to cover up Russian interference in the election that benefits him. And so he fired his own intelligence chief. Here's the White House National Security Advisor denying this. Joe McGuire wasn't pushed out. Joe McGuire's term, he was an acting, he was, he was serving under the Vacancy Act. He was acting and his, his term, I believe, was ending March 11th or March 12th, like two weeks from now. Joe had a, a great relationship with the president. I had a great relationship with him. We have a lot of respect for Joe McGuire. So, so the premise of your question that he was pushed out it just isn't true. How is Russia interfering in the 2020 election? Well, there are these reports that they, they want Bernie Sanders uh, to get elected president. That's no surprise. He, he honeymooned in Moscow. Yeah, and, and of course, that's true. But the, the fact is that what President Trump should have done, instead of responding by saying, Russia, want, Russia wants Bernie. They don't want me, they want Bernie. Instead, instead of reacting like that, he should have said, listen, whoever Russia wants is irrelevant. We need to stop their interference in the election. Right? That should have been the first move. And firing the head of your Office of National Intelligence is an unforced error. Unfortunately, this seems to be the repeated sort of effect of being battered about. Listen, I understand why Trump is doing it. On an emotional level, I understand that Trump being attacked by low-level people in his own administration and then stepping in it emotionally, right? This is the same thing that happened with the Roger Stone case. You had low-level DOJ officials who, without the permission of the attorney general, went and recommended a sentence that was way too long for Roger Stone. And then William Barr stepped in and said, this is not correct. And all the DOJ officials stepped down. That's fine. Trump should have kept his mouth shut, but Trump can't. And so he ends up in a position where it looks as though he's doing things to defend his friends or he's doing things to defend Russia that he actually 
isn't doing. And that leads the Democrats to be able to tell these stories about how Trump is screwing with government in order to protect himself or in order to protect election corruption. It leads to questions like this. Here is Chuck Todd asking Mark Short, White House official, about Russian interference. There has not been an assertion that Russia is trying to benefit Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. That isn't different than saying well, that... Well, forget Donald nation- Trump. I, what I don't understand is, why isn't the president concerned about Russian interference? And concerned, Chuck. How about, how about the media covering the fact that in 2018, when Donald Trump was president, we had midterm elections that went off without a hitch. In 2016, when there was interference, it was under the Obama administration's mm-hmm. regime. In 2016, okay. National Security Advisor, Don, National Security Advisor mm-hmm. Susan Rice told her team to stand down. Okay, wouldn't it, all of that's true. Wouldn't it have been easier for the Trump administration to say, of course, we're concerned about Russian interference, which is why we're targeting it, no matter who it helps. Wouldn't that just be the easiest answer instead of letting the emotion take control? Only two things can defeat Trump in this next election, and Bernie Sanders is not one of them. One is the economy and the other is Trump. Those are the only two things that can defeat Trump, which is why Trump needs to control himself. It's why Trump needs to not react to even his own staffers doing dumb things. He needs to show some element of control. Otherwise, it just gives the media fodder to work with. And listen, they don't need help. Right, the media are going to go after him anyway. But that does not mean that you should give them the fodder with which to work. Okay, time for a quick thing that I like and then a thing that I hate. So things that I like. This kind of goes under things I like and things that I hate. The reason that it goes under things I like is because it is fun. The reason it sort of goes under things I hate is because it does trivialize the Holocaust. So the, the, the show is Hunters. Okay, the basic premise of the show is that it's the aftermath of World War II. It's 30 years later, and there are still Nazis who are living in the United States. And there's this group of elderly Jews, basically, who are tracking down these Nazis and killing them. Now, here's the truth. You don't actually have to make this stuff up. In the aftermath of World War II, there's a great book called The Avengers by, Rick, by Rich Cohen that I highly recommend. It's an excellent book all about how in the aftermath of World War II, there were Jewish survivors of the Holocaust who went through Germany tracking down old SS members and killing them. It's, I mean, it's an amazing, amazing story. Like, I'd love to see that made into a movie. But this is sort of a fantasy comic book kind of thing. And it makes very clear that it's a comic book kind of thing from the very early moments of it. The, the reason that it's likable is because it's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. The reason that it is, that it is problematic at least in my mind, and problematic according to the Auschwitz Memorial, is because instead of just playing off of the realistic horrors of the Holocaust, it instead creates stories about the horrors of the Holocaust that are that are not true. And it seems to almost play up horrors that didn't exist in contravention of horrors that clearly did, the sort of generic horror of the Holocaust, in order to tell stories about Nazis being even more evil than they actually were, which is something you don't need to do. In any case, it's, it's certainly good entertainment. Uh, the, the only question is whether... It, it does a disservice in the same way that if you made a movie about slavery and the movie was about people doing things to slaves that actually weren't realistic. And so it ends up being in sort of a trivialization of the actual evils of slavery. Sort of the same thing here. But is it worth the watch? Yeah, it's probably worth the watch. Here's a little bit of the preview for Hunters. What do you say? I want in. Agent Morris, I think there's Nazis living in America and someone out there is taking them out. There is a right way and a wrong way to get justice. Okay, so the the entire thing is supposed to also be a meditation on revenge and the evils of revenge or the good of revenge and and all of the uh, all of this sort of stuff. But the fact is, it's the cartooniness of the the cartooniness of this that is uh, that is kind of uh, you know it is both the appeal of the show. It is also the downfall of the show. It is also the drawback. Of the show. Also, it, it goes along with this ridiculous plot that Nazis are going to retake the American government, and it's got this sort of intersectional logic to it, where it's all of the intersectional small groups fighting against 
this evil white superstructure that is increasingly dominated by Nazis. You know, all, all of that has to be taken into account. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. Okay, so a, a quick thing that I hate. Tom Nichols is a, a guy who considers himself a sort of never-Trump expert. He wrote a book called The Death of Expertise about why people are not taking experts seriously. I just have to point out that this is one of the dumbest tweets I've ever seen. So Tom Nichols tweeted out over the weekend, Rhode Island's primary isn't until late. So I get to register as a Democrat to cast a protest vote in the primary against Sanders as the inevitable nominee, who I will then vote for as a protest against the incumbent. Good job, everyone. Good job, everyone? I mean, aren't you an independent human being who gets to make your your own decisions here? And why would you cast a vote? You're, You're never Trumper. So you really hate Trump so much that you think that Bernie Sanders, an overt communist, and by the way, a corrupt overt communist, because his wife was getting contracts on particular government boards while he was in, like people have not examined Jane Sanders' rather interesting financial history. He's going to vote for Bernie as a protest against Trump and then call himself the savior of republicanism and conservatism. Like this is where people are off the train with the so-called never Trumpers. Okay, so back in 2016, I was a quote never Trumper, meaning I didn't vote for Trump in the primary. I didn't vote for Trump in the general election. And I said, neither of these candidates meets my minimum for being president of the United States. After the election, I became what I've called a sometimes Trumper, meaning when he does good things, that's great. And when he does bad things, that's bad. And now when I look at an election between Donald Trump, a man who has done many, many good things in terms of policy, a man who has the same character flaws that I thought he had back in 2016, a man who says things that I find sometimes fantastic and sometimes reprehensible. And then I look at that compared to a person who represents the worst ideology of the last 150 years. (laughs) That's not a particularly hard call. It is not. I'm sorry. That is not. Sanders versus Trump is not a hard call. If you're protesting Donald Trump and his supposed venalities and you're protesting Donald Trump and his excesses and his problems of temperament by voting for Bernie Sanders in a general election, let me suggest to you that you've screwed up morality so badly that you have no credibility to speak about conservatism or virtually anything else in the future when it comes to politics. Expertise, expertise, just unbelievable ridiculousness. Okay, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we will be back here tomorrow for much, much more as we prepare for the next rock'em sock'em round of Democratic debates. If the Democrats, by the way, don't figure this thing out and start attacking Bernie Sanders on the stage, it's gotta be all in on Bernie, right? I mean, if they go after Bloomberg again, it just demonstrates how insane they all are in the lead up to South Carolina. But I'm sure we will find out in short order. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey, everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of The Andrew Clavin Show. The Democrats can't understand why Bernie Sanders seems to be running away with the presidential nomination, so let me explain it to them. He's beating the Democrats because he is the Democrats. They're all socialists, and he's the only one with the guts to say so out loud. We will talk about it all on The Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. 
Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.